Is it time to bench Russell Wilson and some of the other Denver Broncos after Thursday night's debacle? How many Colts running backs are now currently worth rostering in the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship? And is there a tight end out there that's a sneaky good play for an AFC North showdown on Sunday? Plus the Football Guys Players Championship Week 4 fifth place team owner Dan Fisher drops by to talk about what he saw in Saquon Barkley in the drafting season, whether Ramondre Stevenson is ready to make his move in the New England Patriots backfield, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Silence in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferelliacs tuning in this evening, downloading later, streaming it, however you're ingesting the content. We just really appreciate it. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Check out all his work at KFFSC.com. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, we're going to discuss whether Brees Hall is now a slam dunk start for you, whether DJ Moore should be on more benches than in starting lineups in week five, and Dan Fisher, the fifth place team owner in the Football Guys Players Championship, will hop aboard. He's going to talk about Devin DuVernay's week five output, potential output, with no Rashad Bateman, as well as why he's carrying three really good quarterbacks on the fifth place squad, uh, squad in the Football Guys Players Championship and a lot more. Um, we'll get into all of that with Dan a little bit later on in the program, probably about 13 minutes roughly from now. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, please do so. The show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. And of course, learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. You can also follow it on Twitter at KFFSC Official. Uh, email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hour. And if you have any questions for us or for Dan, now is the time to send them. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the uh, tweets, all the emails, and our fantasy feedback segment coming up uh, later on in the show. That's coming about 42 minutes from now. Uh, thanks to our best friend, our beg your pardon, our mutual friend and producer, Rob, and of course, my best friend, Bryce. Uh, and our audio engineer who do a bang up job each and every show uh, that we put out Fridays, 10, 9 central play the FFPC weekly challenge. If you're looking for more action this week, in addition to all the season long fantasy stuff you have going with the FFPC football guys and the Kentucky fantasy football state championship. Remember in the FFPC weekly challenge, there is no draft. There is no salary cap. If you want to play the slim version, you pick 10 players. If you want to play the classic version, you pick 12 players. By Sunday's kickoff, remember, only one player per team. You can enter for $35. You can enter for $200, 30-team format, 100-team format with uh, Classic and Slim, like I said. And if you want to play in the $200 entry, 10-team winner-take-all, 
uh, the winner will indeed get a free entry into the 2023 FFPC main event where you can play for a million bucks there as well. Uh, as a reminder, some of the other podcasts we put out this week, in case you missed the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network, you can always register for an account there and check out what you missed with myself and Rotoviz's Sean Siegel. Tell you what's coming up next week at the end of the show. Great guests that we have, great guest co-hosts we have next Wednesday at 10, 9 Central. The Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown did a little pre-game edition last night with Austin Martin, a 44-time FFPC and Football Guys champ. Uh, you've uh, seen him on these airwaves before. He was on the road of his high-stakes lowdown. A lot of great stuff from him last night as it pertains to Week 5. So make sure you're going on the FFPC YouTube channel, which you're probably watching this on right now. And you can uh, watch it there, or you can go to rotaviz.com slash podcast. That should be up sometime tomorrow as well. Remember to like, subscribe, comment share and get notified of all the ffpc videos we're putting out remember the more you do that uh the better the content we can churn out the better guests we have the more content we can put out as well now a guy that i should never have to tell you to like because let's face it everybody likes this guy already he's my co-host tonight farrell elliott the kentucky fantasy football state championship commissioner Commish, welcome in man and welcome hey, to october yeah, thank you, sir. What a great way to start the professional football month of October with the game we had last night, huh? Uh, yeah, I, it was bad. It was really bad. You know, a lot of times I'm so exhausted at, at, at the end of at the end of the week, I end up going to bed early. And for whatever reason, I had a lot of energy in my system last night. And I, I, I tuned, I was excited to watch the game. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, my wife was out. I'm like, I, I got the kids to bed on time, excited to tuck in and in my chair and watch this Broncos Colts game. And my God, I told Dizzle today, uh, Dave, the Dizzle Gerzak, I was like, I was rooting for the Colts to miss that kick at the end of regulation. I'm like, I do not want to watch overtime, but I'm a glutton for punishment. I stayed up for the whole thing. I watched it and I heard this from a local, um, radio host in uh out of milwaukee today and he's like yeah it was terrible it was awful one of the worst primetime football games but did you turn it off and i didn't i didn't i I could not you know it got better as the game went on like there's there's some drama to it it wasn't great for fantasy purposes but we love nfl football so i had to watch it you know overtime was entertaining it was. It was. It, it absolutely was. And I'm glad I watched it. I think we're in for some for some better games this weekend for sure. Oh, I look yeah. forward to it. Uh, absolutely. Let's kick things off tonight, Kamish, and, and talk a little bit about that game because there were some fantasy takeaways okay. from it. Number one being former University of Wisconsin Badger, Melvin Gordon, 15 carries, 54 yards. He also had three catches for 49 yards. No fumbles. Although he came pretty close to fumbling on one play. He was down, but he did fumble it after that. Um, Gordon and the Broncos offense, not great. Um, he did so uh, show some a little bit of burst on some of his plays, especially some of those catches. Um, and and you you look at Melvin Gordon operating as as the clear number one running back last night. 18 touches. Mike Boone only had 10. He almost scored a touchdown at the end of regulation. Um in in so at Beg Barn in overtime where the Broncos would have won that game um, had they not gone for it on fourth down because they already just scored with, with Melvin Gordon. He gets the Chargers revenge game in week six. Um, and I, I think we can go a little bit deeper into this. But before I say anything, I want to get your thoughts. Now that we know Javante Williams is out for the year, what are your thoughts on Melvin Gordon as uh, the lead guy in Denver, knowing they still have Mike Boone and knowing they just signed Latavius Murray? 
Yeah, Latavius Murray is on the way, and he has fresh legs and a long track record in history with this general manager in Denver. And it was because of the special COVID rules that have to do with um, practice squad rosters for veterans that he was even available. And he chose to come to, to, to make the trip to, to Denver because he liked his options better there. He will compliment Murray. He'll take most of those carries that Boone got. And although I've referred to Boone as largely a special teams player, Boone played very, very well uh, when called upon last night. So in a next man up mentality of the uh, Denver backfield does have support behind Gordon, but Gordon, I believe you can expect 15 to 20. And if, if, if the team can ever straighten it out and win uh, and, and be ahead in one of these games, you're looking for even more as the Broncos would uh, salt away a victory on the ground. Uh, Dizzle pointing out last night um, that he thought Boone looked better than Gordon at times, mm-hmm. which is true. The, the, um, the thing I do want to bring up here, and this is stuff I've heard on podcasts, read on the interwebs, um, so obviously it's gospel. Um, Mike Boone, the, the, the staff doesn't necessarily trust him as a third down blocker. Um, and if you remember back to week four, Melvin Gordon fumbled after Javante Williams went out and he was benched after that. And Mike Boone came in and took a lot of the carries. Farrell, you you do not have any concern, or at least very little concern, for Latavius Murray becoming the lead guy in that backfield over Melvin Gordon? Not particularly, although he ran very, very well in London, and he continues to be. You look at the physicality of Murray. He's an impressive player. I will say that it's always when you're in a backfield situation, being the guy, being out there when the defensive players are fresh, starting the game at the running back position means a lot of a different type of, of football skills than a guy that comes off the bench in a perfect down and distance situation. In regards to the fumble, remember we were laughing earlier about uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and how he covered up the ball like this and ran with it? Uh, you know, fumbles are going to be more frequent in this league because of the skill set, the punching ability, the physicality of even the smaller defensive backs as they approach the ball, gang tackles with one arm and trying to knock the ball loose with, with an absolute right hook or the left haymaker and everything you can do to get the ball. Ball security becomes important. We're going to see a lot of fumbles. And, it, you know, I, I think this oddity of benching uh, strong running backs after they made a fumble uh, is, uh, is, is ridiculous. Okay. Uh, we, we can thank Charles Tillman for the peanut punch. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I was always drilled into my mind, even back in high school when I was playing in the, uh, the mid-90s, was on defense. First guy hits, second guy strips yep. every single time. And, and, and it's even more true in the NFL because the way the NFL is structured now, it is so slanted though as far as it's how it's called, the rules and everything, so slanted into the offense's favor, trying to put up points that the best defenses aren't necessarily this, you know, steel curtain, purple people leaders, anything like that anymore. It's the teams that are turning the ball over. And if you can turn the ball over, man, that it can be a field flipper and it could really help you out. And I think that's the way the defenses are coached. And I think you make a strong point that this anomaly is not um, uh, amalgus to Melvin Gordon, at, at least, you know, this is something that, that can be, um, we can see this on several running backs and several ball carriers in the NFL. I want to get to a couple of questions from the chat room right away. And it pertains to our next point, Frank Shinnick uh, on Facebook. Is there any hope 
for Russell Wilson. And then, of course, Hudson Kern Reeve, he wants to know, is Russell Wilson on a steep downslope of his career or is this an anomaly? Well, let's look at what he did last night. 21 of 39 for 274 yards through no uh, no touchdowns and two interceptions, which is really bad. And they came at a bad time uh, for him as well. He does not look like he is on the same page with his receivers, um, not just last night, but throughout the season. He's been throwing the ball over their heads. Uh, sometimes uh, he, he looks lost uh, out, out there on offense. And the, the really bad one in the fourth quarter where, man, they, they just needed a score. He throws a pick in the end zone. Um, uh, on the final play of the game where they needed the score, where they go for it on fourth down, he targets Cortland Sutton. Yeah, that's a good idea in the end zone. But uh, two-time all-pro cornerback Stephon Gilmore, who still got some juice left, in him, uh, he knocks the ball away to to win the the uh, the game. Um, Broncos have scored 16 or fewer points in four of their first five games this season. Uh, they get the the Chargers next week, but you know I own Russell Wilson on a couple of teams. Farrell, I've picked up some. It, it, it the pickings are slim at quarterback. I was talking about this with um, uh, Austin Martin on the road of his high stakes lowdown, which I encourage you to listen to um, or watch. Um, and, and I said, you know, in the past in Kentucky, I would only draft one quarterback um, because I wanted that extra spot for another receiver or or a, a potential mm-hmm. in, one injury away type running back. And I don't think I can do that anymore because I have two quarterbacks on several teams this year in Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford that I just can't count on mm-hmm. every week starts anymore. And yeah, Russell but- Wilson, I mean, th- this is a guy I'm looking uh, on the teams. I just have him as my only quarterback. I can't trust him anymore. Can you trust him going forward as a starter? Because I can't. Yeah, absolutely not. And I, fortunately, I never rostered him as my single quarterback. And I might have got him one time as a backup. I didn't like the fact that he didn't play in the preseason. A new quarterback into a situation where he didn't play and a rookie coach in that kind of division is never a formula for success. Also, I really like the two running backs now down to one running back in Williams and Gordon. I thought, well, maybe they're going to run the ball a lot. That's going to be the idea of what their team is. I did not bite onto the tight end, Uncle Albert. There was lots of talk about him. Uh, I didn't go that way. This team had to prove it to me first, and they have yet to do it. Um, And there is a thing about veteran players, Balky, that that sometimes they do hit the wall, and you take them out of a situation where they've been successful. You used to see it more back in the day when players tried to hang on and play longer. And it, it, it the salary structure different then. Players just somehow had to have the, the helmet and the shoulder pads and the ball yanked out of their hands before they give it up. But in Russell Wilson's case, uh, I, I don't, you know, I like the elements of his game. He's always been a champion, but he's not what I look for in a quarterback. He's not the size uh, that, that I like. And, and the feet, despite the early run in yesterday's game, uh, the feet are not what they used to be. And now he's throwing the ball side-armed, which makes me think something is wrong with his delivery. There's a lot of mechanic issues here that no one is going to fix during the season. It's coming apart there. Uh, and I can only hope that perhaps a bye week, perhaps some rest uh, would get Wilson and this team uh, – uh, back on track because I really do like the team and the players on it, the people running it. I'll just I'll say this to answer the um, the the questions here for number one um, for Frank: Is there hope for Russell Wilson? Yes, there is hope. Yes, um, but do we feel great about it? No, no. not particularly. And then um, 
Hudson, I think you just answered his question. Is he on a steep downslope of his career? Yeah. We're certainly not ruling it out. Um, I, I, as far as like a tangible piece of advice I can give you on Russell Wilson right now is that um, I would not be dropping him. I'm not dropping him in any leagues. But, I mean, I, I'm heavily looking for other options mm. at this point. I just – I cannot – I can't keep trotting. I mean, we're talking about – this isn't one or two weeks. This is now five weeks of data that we've had. And I think that's enough to to understand, like, look, we, we need to be looking for other options here. And what, what can you see in this team that makes you think that they're going – in divisional uh, matchups, head to head, that they're going to survive when you when you see what this offense is doing. Yeah, I, it's a great point. I mean, it's a, it's an excellent point, and and I think that um, to to sort of you're trying to get to your league playoffs, right, in order to get to the championship round, whether it be the Kentucky main event, the FFPC main event, the football guys main uh, um, uh, championship round. Like you have to win your league before then. Time is running out on you if if you're a fringe team or even if you're not a fringe team. Like you can't be messing around with Russell Wilson. You have to look elsewhere right now, and and that's the best advice I can give you on that. Now it wasn't all bad last night as Alec Pierce had a uh-huh. uh, breakout game, nine targets. He he nails eight of them for 81 yards. This is a guy that came into the NFL. You know what was the scouting report? Um, we, we heard on Alec Pierce, so he's a deep threat guy. You know, Desmond Ritter was always bombing it downfield to him at Cincinnati. But um, 10.1 uh, yards per reception. His longest play was on a 17-yard catch and run. And and Pierce actually looked like – it almost seemed like Michael Pittman and him switched jerseys last night, right? Because he looked like a pretty good possession guy. He led the Colts last night in receptions, in yards, and, and targets. And Matt Ryan seemed to be pretty comfortable throwing to him as well. Um, Pierce, knowing that um, uh, he can exhibit this type of play uh, closer to the line of scrimmage and be a possession guy, I think this works well for the the condition that Matt Ryan's arm is in and the and the position he's at in his career. And and I think if you have Alec Pierce and and I was actually in Kentucky auction this past week, we had to make some changes here. And I thought about dropping Alec Pierce. I'm like, you know what? It's it's not time yet. I'm going to keep him around for a little bit. I'm glad I did because things are looking up for Mr. Pierce. Certainly a guy you want to be in business with, Farrell. Mm, it never was a time to drop, to drop Alec Pierce. I have been in business with this player uh, throughout every draft. Uh, in the 15 leagues that I manage where I have to put in a lineup, I had the opportunity to put him in 14, 14 of 15 rosters of, of Alec Pierce. And I, I, no matter what we talked about him, Balky, because we talked about him during the spring and we liked him, uh, he had a, a fantastic pro day. He's over six foot three. He runs a four four one. He's angular. He jumps out of the gym a 40 vertical. Uh, yes, at Cincinnati, he was a downfield threat because he was probably their only one. And they threw the ball to uh, – a mixture of three tight ends over the middle and the running back, but he he can get into traffic and make a catch too. I uh, he dropped a sure touchdown in week one, and then he was concussed and missed a half in week two. But I think he's coming into his own. I only had him in one lineup last night, and uh, but this is the ideal player if he happens for any reason to be available in free agency. You should go get him and put an aggressive bid on him when you can uh, because this is a player that when you get to bye weeks that you can count on. And the coach told us very, very early in training camp, the coach told us that this rookie is my number one or number two receiver. He'll be our number two, the Indianapolis Colts. And I think the whole uh, high stakes community 
uh, kind of slept on this player because I would I would try to wait and I'd see how how much can I wait? Okay, I'm in the 14th round. I'm going to go ahead and take it. I think that um, uh, Pierce is a guy that is going to be very popular on a lot of um, a lot of bye week uh, teams. Oh yeah, you know, when they have the bye weeks, and I think that's a guy that you know normally, depending upon how you structured your team, you don't necessarily feel great about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but he's the type of guy that when that rolls around, you're like, you know what? I feel pretty good about Alec Pierce. Not only is a guy that's just going to fill in, but maybe a decent top 30 option. And, and he's mm-hmm. not going to hit that every week, but I think he showed a lot of skills that we're happy with this week. Now, let me tell you a story about Dion Jackson. Um, okay. I have a buddy who plays in the FFPC main event and, um, he's had him and his co-owner have had horrible luck so far. They lost mm-hmm. Javante Williams. They lost Elijah Mitchell, and they they don't have a really a reliable number three back, so they're trotting out some some pretty bad dreck. They did pick up Deion Jackson, and my buddy said to me, he's like, well, you think we should play Deion Jackson uh, on this Thursday night football game? And I said, well, look, man, he's the third string running back. He's behind Naheem Hines. He's behind Philip Lindsay, who got recalled to the, the active squad from the practice squad. Um, Jonathan Taylor has not looked good behind this offensive line all season. Hard to think that Deion Jackson, the guy who has not gotten one offensive touch all, so far this season, is is going to look good. Mm-hmm. Um, you got some other guys that, you know, granted your options aren't great, but I, I said um, he's a muskie fisherman. I said, you know, this is like fishing in a two-mile lake with one muskie in it to try to hit on <laughs> Deion Jackson. What did Jackson do last night? What? 13 carries, 62 yards. He catches four balls for 29 yards and he looked pretty spry i mean he looked to me past the eye test over philip Lindsay. he looked like the better guy last night uh first play of the game 21 yards gets a first down on it on a catch 5.4 yards per touch against a, a pretty talented denver defense and he said to me after the game he's like you know my my co-owner is just ripping me for not because his mm-hmm. co-owner's in spain right now so it was the mm-hmm. middle of the night when 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 it was game time and he's like, I can't believe he didn't play Deion Jackson. I'm like, well, my God, you know, that I couldn't find any tweets or any reports saying that Deion Jackson was going to be involved in the Indianapolis Colts game plan because I don't think he was going to be. But then Hines goes down on the third play from scrimmage. Everything changes after that. Now, Farrell, uh, Jonathan Taylor gets the mini buy this week. You'd like to think he'd be ready for week six. I think Frank uh, Frank Reich w- was pretty bullish on, on Taylor returning. I don't know what's going to happen with Naheem Hines. Obviously, Philip Lindsay's there. Is there any reason to be rostering Deion Jackson at this point, at least for one more week? Yes, I think so. Because, And this is what drives you crazy about running backs. This is an undrafted free agent who's six foot tall, 220 pounds, and ran a 4-4-1 at his pro day. Well, you get the Duke discount. Do people think that's a basketball school or something? (laughs) And he finally gets on the field and he gets to prove he belongs. And it's the kind of story that you don't really want the player – to to not get a, a, another opportunity. So yeah, Deion Jackson in a game where they needed some spark, he brought that spark to it. And so yes, I think he continues to get carries. Is he going to be relevant in fantasy football? Highly unlikely. But you know what? The way he ran last night, he could break one. So you know, yeah. maybe now there's two uh, muskies in the lake. <laughs> there could be. That's a good way of putting it. There could be two muskies in the lake. We'll see what happens on that because I felt, and not only did I feel bad about you know telling him not to start him when you know they needed so mm. much um 
you know, so much help at, at running back, but, you know, I felt bad for my own teams, you know, not rostering that. I mean, I didn't pick this guy up anywhere and obviously he's not eligible to be picked up mm-hmm. but, uh, until next week now. So that's something that, that I'll have to look at. And he's going to be a lot more expensive next week than he would yeah. have been uh, this week. Um, moving on from this uh, Thursday night game. I do want to talk about the bears here real quick. Okay. Uh, David Montgomery, limited practice Thursday, limited practice today. It, it seems like he is, is going to be back this week. He did not practice. Um, uh, on Wednesday. So you'd like to think that with the two limited practices, he'll be out there uh, this coming week. Montgomery obviously hurt his ankle against Houston back in week three. Um, mm-hmm. And, and he, now he's finally practicing again. My question for you is there's some people that reap the benefits of Khalil Herbert uh, and Herbert obviously has, has done a significant amount of, of um, water carrying to earn more of a load in that backfield now. How do you think it's going to shake out um, for the Bears this week um, as far as the backfield goes? Because this is something people want to get right um, as far as nailing either Montgomery and and both Montgomery and Herbert as either a start or a sit. Uh, Mm -hmm. They go up against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota this week. Uh, They're dogs, seven and a half point dogs. um, But the Vikings rush defense hasn't been great so far this season. They have injuries as well. Now they're dealing with the London, uh, the after London game, which is never, never really good for the team. Um, what do I think about? Um, what do I think about Montgomery? I think since it's not bye weeks this week, that I want to see it. I want to see how this works. Herbert is a difficult player for a team that doesn't have a lot going right. He's a hard player to say, okay, you go sit down. Montgomery's back. Uh, Many coaches will say you don't lose your job because of injury, but uh, Herbert uh, stepped up, ran well, ran with authority. So it now becomes a shared backfield to me. And I'm not certain that Montgomery can be as productive as he, we would like him to be in a shared backfield. So I, I, I want to see this. I don't have a lot of shares of Montgomery, but where I do, he's going to be on my bench. And, uh, yeah, let's see him come back have a good game, uh, then we'll go from there. Would, would you consider Farrell, and, and, and Hudson Reeve is asking this uh, in, in the chat, I mean, that's your take on on uh, David Montgomery, but would, would you still be willing to flex out uh, Khalil Herbert on any teams you might have him on? Yes, I, I think so. You know, you like to put a wide receiver in that position, right. and there are some glorious matchups uh, with quarterbacks who are coming into their own with wide receivers that maybe haven't played for you every week and it would be perfect to play them this week when you maybe you even played Alec Pierce. So uh, not ideally, but why not? Uh, you can't make an argument about playing Herbert after you just witnessed what he did. Right. It's a great point. And, and I think, um, you know, you are rolling the dice to a certain point if you're playing either one of these guys, but yes. to, to agree with Farrell, I, I would have more confidence and Khalil Herbert is a flex this week uh, over uh, over David Montgomery. All right. Um, we are going to get to our guest tonight. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties. But oh, I no. think we got him now. Well, I don't know if we'll have his video, but we, we should have his audio here. He is a three-decade veteran of fantasy football, including 20-plus years of co-hosting uh, – or co-hosting. That's what we're doing tonight. Uh, his co-manager, uh, Mark Dinnerman, uh, is, is a guy that he has played yeah. for uh, for more than two decades. Started playing at the high stakes level in the FFPC in 2012. Currently, he and Mark uh, compete in the FFPC main event, the Football Guys Players Championship, the Super Racket, and the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge, as well as numerous best ball tournaments and slim double-ups. Right now, he sits 
in fifth place overall in the 2022 Football Guys Players Championship. Please welcome in Dan Fisher onto the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Dan, I, I don't know if we can see you, but but we hopefully we can hear you. Thanks for coming on and doing the show this week. Do you have us? I see you guys. Can you see me? We can't see you, but we can hear you, which is the, was the biggest part of the podcast tonight. So don't worry about that. We're just damn glad to have you. Now, the first thing I want to ask you tonight, now your um, um, uh, team name or your username on FFPC, I believe is Three Wisemen. If, if you noticed anybody or if, if, if anybody noticed the photo that we've been tweeting out today, you're wearing the Three Wisemen fantasy football shirt, right? Now, we, we know it's you. And Mark, is there a third Wiseman involved in this as well? There's a third Wiseman. Uh, his name is Bob, and he plays in a couple of leagues also and a bunch of different leagues outside of FFPC. Got it. Okay. All right. So there are three Wisemen that have contributed to all your success uh, sure. this season. Yeah. It's good to know. I didn't know if it was like a made-up thing or or not, like Swiss cheese, where, <laughs> where you know what I mean? Like it, it makes no sense. All right. So let's um, let's get into it. When you are not going for a million dollars in the FFPC main event, when you're not going for five hundred thousand dollars in the football guys players championship, what are you what are you doing for a living? I do a couple of different things. Uh, I have a company called Crypto on the Go, where we install crypto ATMs in different gas stations, convenience stores, vape shops, um, and then I also have a company, Randan Enterprises. I'm, a, I'm a, myself and my wife, and we do uh, henna tattoos and face painting at like large state fairs. Oh, that's fun! It's a lot of fun. That is re- that is really great. That my kids is- would definitely be on board for that for sure. They love it. Oh, especially my daughter. The henna, the, the face painting. God, you know, we we ran into. I, I was picking up my my son uh, from a basketball practice um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was right at the end of like a some sort of pancake breakfast, and they had face painters there that were already packing up. And my daughter begged uh, my mo- uh, my mother, my wife, and me. Uh, that that well, you got to get these face painters just to paint a unicorn on my face. Whatever you can do, <laughs> and then we ended up, you know, tipping up generously to to get her the the unicorn on the face. But but I get it. That's awesome stuff. But Farrell wants to, as much as I love to talk about henna and face painting, uh, Dan Farrell does have a fantasy football question for us. Oh no, I want to talk about face painting. Well, we can because, do that too. Whatever you want. No, whatever you want. one of my one of my favorite pop bands, Walk the Moon, from Cincinnati, Ohio. They're, they're just a ten year anniversary, and it reminded me the fact that on their concert tour that they uh, they face painted. And so that was the last time I had them. Maybe you could go on tour with them, although, you know, that's probably not your lifestyle thing. <laughs> what is your lifestyle is drafting fantasy football running backs. And, man, you guys hit it big in the middle of the second round because I was looking at one of your teams and Balky brought it to my attention. Chubb was available. Aaron Jones was available. The now injured Williams was available. But you, the three wise men, chose Saquon Barkley. And I am so proud of that decision. I think you have the number one running back in all of fantasy football here to date and going forward. What's he doing for your team and how proud of you are you of that decision? Or did you uh, just spin the bottle and choose one? (laughs) Well, I thought Barkley was the only running back left who I felt had the bell cow role. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel he's the most talented all of them of all the backs as long as he stays healthy. Uh, I did have some concerns about the offense and the Giants and him getting injured, but I felt he had the highest ceiling um, if it goes well. 
And that, that's what it is sometimes, Balky, just having a clarity of thought because that makes all the sense in the world. All these other guys are tied to other players in the backfield and Barclay is not. You know, you look at it and, and it, it just seems so obvious to a lot of us high stakes players, right? I mean, because there's who did Barkley have? Matt Breida. I mean, he has nothing to do with that backfield right now. You look at the guys who went in the second round of Dan's draft after this Aaron Jones, who has AJ Dillon, Javante Williams, who had Melvin Gord, Nick Chubb, who had Kareem Hunt. Sometimes it's staring us in the face. And for you guys to get Barkley, obviously, Dan, you got to be thrilled with that. Now, oh, yes. keeping it on the running back tip, this is an interesting one because. Clyde Edwards-Alaire um, was obviously – he's been significantly playing into not only the rushing attack for Kansas City, but also the passing game. Caught that touchdown on that miracle pass from Patrick Mahomes last week. But Isaiah Pacheco looked pretty good as well. Now, you guys are in the fortunate position here that you have both of them on your team. However, a split backfield would not be great for Clyde Edwards-Alaire or, quite frankly, Isaiah Pacheco. How concerned are you with, with Edwards-Alaire going forward that – this is a guy you could lock in here as your number two running back or even a top flex. But now is Pacheco eating into this, or is this just a one-off? I mean, I'm a little concerned. Um, I can't see a split really anytime soon. So far, CH has uh, 54 touches to Pacheco's 28. So it's about a 65-35 split, and Pacheco hasn't caught a pass yet. So to me, if CH can get the goal line touchdowns and get most of the receptions, I think he's still definitely a flex and probably a – probably running back two for us. All right. I'm going to stay with these running backs. And, and I, I really love your answer there. I Pacheco, it, 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 I took him in dynasty in the seventh round of a draft. And I'm, I'm just proud as I can. I would be that. happy with that. For I, sure. had to, I had to tell you guys that. And I've, yeah. I've benefited this year from playing and, and with your, with your three wise man counting Bob, uh, you guys, uh, are obviously benefiting from, from shared knowledge. And I, I have a player here in the KFFSC that uh, finished runner-up one year and is an excellent player. He got a bid to the FFPC, went out there and won a division, and that's Trevor Holt. Unassuming, but just just a great football mind. And, you know, we were in a draft, and I, I didn't have him necessarily in my queue as the next three or four players. Um, but when it came to Ramondre Stevenson, that's who he wanted. And I didn't really get him anywhere, but I got him with the team I'm doing with Trevor. And I think he's taking over that New England backfield. And I'm a fan of Damian Harris. Um, and the numbers that both of them are putting up, uh, putting up right now are, are, are very good. Even with the quarterback changes, what do you expect this weekend? And going forward, is one of these guys going to move in front of each other, or is it going to be the hot hand from week to week? I'd say it being more of a hot hand. Um, this weekend, I actually like both of them a lot. Um, yep. Playing Detroit, I see them both being running back twos. I think Harris has a chance of being a one this this week. I do have some concern. I actually tried getting Stevenson in a lot of leagues, but he was being drafted so early. I found myself um, having Harris fall to me in the late eighth, yeah. uh, the ninth round. So. I didn't really love him, but I was kind of stuck with him in that spot. Um, just, just curiously, and I should have probably asked you this at the top, uh, Dan, but how did you and, and Mark and Bob sort of hook up together um, where you decided to, to co-own all these high-stakes teams? Well, I mean, mostly the ADA teams are mine. Um, I run them, and Mark's more of a silent partner. Um, the FFPC bigger leagues is mostly Mark. Um 
Mark and myself are bracket tournament partners, and then Bob's involved in a couple also. And then I do have a team, uh, Mouse Meds, that has my uh, buddy Chris as a partner with me. So were these guys, did you did you kind of just, you know, I know you've been playing fantasy football for like 30 years. Were these guys that you were competing against when you when you when you started playing fantasy football that you know went from enemies to frenemies where you guys are hooking up on these high stakes teams? And we still compete against each other and we're in some high stakes leagues against each other, but we started off playing against each other and, and now we're like on the same team in a lot of them. So it goes both ways. Uh, we're talking with Dan Fisher, fifth place team co-owner in the Football Guys Players Championship, heading into uh, week five here, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about a lot of running backs. I want to stay on that tip right now. So the first thing or, or the next thing I want to bring up um, is the uh, Washington Commanders situation mm -hmm. in their backfield because this is a weird one. Brian Robinson looked like he was going to be the guy. Then he actually gets shot, and and we're not sure if he's going to play at all this season. And uh, Antonio Gibson, who had been fading from our memory, all of a sudden gets a big bump at Las Vegas for the FFPC main event draft time. And now it looks like he is fading, even without Brian Robinson. His snap share is, is going down. Something to keep in mind here, the report that we got from Pete Haley, who covers the Washington Commanders, was Brian Robinson um, practiced uh, on Thursday and Friday this week. We don't get an official designation because he's still on the NFI list, but there's certainly a very real possibility that this dude is going to be back this weekend, which is crazy uh, to, to think about. Um, if you have a guy like Damian Harris or one of these other, you know, shared backfield type uh, positions, are you putting Brian Robinson in right away, Dan, or are you still wanting to give him an extra week to sort of get acclimated before you start deploying him in fantasy? The first week, I'm not going to put him in. I just want to kind of see what kind of role he has. I'll let him get acclimated also i do have damian harris who i love this week versus detroit so he's very plugged in my lineup he's, he's going for me but i i see robinson i'm taking over the uh, backfield being the main guy in the next two to three weeks all right you running back whispers let's let's change the <laughs> direction here and i the balky and i have been uh devin duvernay guys uh this spring we we think he gets more or since spring, we we think he gets more out of limited opportunities than many players do in the NFL. And I'm wondering if those opportunities are going to increase. And I'm looking where I can get him in my lineup. He's he's rostered on some of the teams that have some issues at the position, so it may not be too difficult to do. And then I have another question. I see where perhaps you have him playing in front of Dalton Schultz. And I, we all got a goose egg as Dalton Schultz returned to action last week. You can't expect that to happen, and you can't especially expect it to happen against the Los Angeles Rams, which are going to have a uh, terrific uh, pass rush against, uh, against Dallas this weekend and the necessity to unload the ball to the tight end. Um, and uh, DuVernay is – Duvernay is an interesting player in this offense in a game that could be a shootout, as the Dizzle likes to say. He calls it a shootout. And, uh, you know, they know what they're doing at Baltimore when it comes to, to dealing with receivers. The tip of the cap to the Dizzle, his, uh, one of his all-time favorites, Andy Isabella, has found a new home, gentlemen. <laughs> he is, uh, he's on this roster, and I think he'll play and contribute before the year is over. But I'll, I'll try to – so it's a lot of questions in there, number six. You know, a lot of questions in there. And without Bateman in the roster, as uh, Hudson Kern-Reeve uh, 
uh, reminds us, so without Bateman there, somebody's got to catch the ball in a shootout. Uh, what are we going to do? Duvernay, Schultz, uh, can't you get both those guys in your lineup? This one stings a little bit. Um, last week, I had Dotson in over Schultz until the last minute, and then active, I switched them out. Also, Mark told me to take out the Eagles' defense and start the Packers against Hoyer. Oh, my word. And doing those oh. two things, it cost us 21.3 points, which would have put us in first place now, not fifth. So, you're down um, to two wise men now. You're, you're <laughs> to, you got new T-shirts coming, two wise men and Mark. I did swear, though, to never play Schultz if Dak's not in there. Even last year when he played one game with Rush, he had two tar- two catches only, and I'd rather sit and wait until Dak comes back. Um, I'll start Duvernay this week, unless um, St. Brown, of course, is active for Detroit, then he gets plugged in the lineup over Duvernay. Dan Fisher, the guest tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, fifth-place co-owner in the Football Guys Players Championship heading into week five. Um, you just mentioned Prescott. You actually picked him up off waivers in this wow. league. Somebody, somebody cut him. Wow. And this is fascinating because you already had Jalen Hurts, who is a legit MVP candidate. You drafted Russell Wilson, and obviously he's an easy bench right now when you consider you have Hurts and you'll have Prescott going forward. But once Wilson gets it and 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 uh, once he is acclimated to Denver and that offense and he's on the same page of his pass catchers, you're going to have three pretty talented quarterbacks going forward in this league, Dan. I want to get your thoughts on why you wanted to pick up Prescott and create this, I don't want to say log jam, but this you know sort of cipher that you have to solve every week with three talented quarterbacks. How are you going to know that you're starting the correct one week in and week out with three excellent choices? Well, to me, it's pretty simple. Um, Hertz is my starter 100% of the time. Uh, he's the one I'm plugging in there. I picked up Dak more to block other teams from getting him. Mm. Also, on Hertz by week, week seven, Dak is playing Detroit, which I could see being a shootout. In case Russell Wilson does not come around, I'll have Dak then to start. And in the meantime, I can stop other teams from having Dak on the roster. You know, this is interesting because at the top of the show, we were talking about Russell Wilson and how you got to bench him right now. And we both said, um, you know, we're, we're not cutting Russell Wilson at this point, but you might be in the position where you could cut Russell Wilson loose with Hertz and Prescott. Is there any thought that, that you guys have had on doing that? If push comes to shove, once the bye week gauntlet begins, when Dak comes back, if he shows he's fully healthy and someone's in a wire who I have to have, if I can't find someone to drop, I could, could drop him. Yes. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I can't imagine Russell starting for me uh, this year. Except for week seven, and again, Dak playing Detroit, I'd probably go with Dak over Wilson. You know, honestly, like the only way that situation would prevent itself is is regression in the mean, right? Because obviously Hertz is up here right now and Wilson is way down here. But if Wilson all of a sudden turns it on and Hertz comes back down to earth, then you might have a situation where you might think about it. But I feel like we're at least a month, maybe a month plus down the road where you guys would even have to think about that decision because Hertz basically is an automatic start, as you already said, Dan. Exactly. And and I think that was accented, Balky, by your visual cues there. I thought that was very good. Right? Yeah. What you were did, I, doing. did I get the distance right? Yeah. I think you did. You know, uh, speaking of quarterbacks uh, – I must confess, and I remain somewhat high on him, that uh, especially my best ball teams, it was a thrill to start the year seeing Carson Wentz log in 30-point games. And now, again, well, we'll quit that. But, the, you know, the beneficiary of this has been the rookie wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. Now, 
he was if we were drafting in the spring, Dotson was the you know, if it was the Kentucky Derby, he would have been the first one out of the gate. He was he was by far the number one rookie wide receiver. And then he began to see traffic to some of these other guys. Um, tell me a little bit about your history with this player, what you liked about him, and did you target him or did you just – was it convenient to get him on your team where you drafted him? So is this a guy that you started the draft saying like – you know, my like my 14th round Alec Pierce, there's a guy that I really wanted. Did you really want Dodson, or did you just uh, happen by circumstance to end up with what I think is a, a receiver that's going to get better as this year moves along? I was targeting Dodson all along. Um, I watched him play at Penn State. I was very impressed. And then uh-huh. with a lot of hype in the training camp, I personally think he's more talented than McLaurin. Um, oh, I'm yeah. I'm not saying this year, but – um, very no. soon he'll be number one receiver. I try getting him as much as I could. I think he's going to be incredible. You know, now Dan, just just so I'm aware, are, are you a Penn State guy? I know you're a Pennsylvania guy. Are you? A Penn I went State to Penn State and Temple. Oh, okay, all right. So, how would you compare Jahan Dotson um, to some of the other great Penn State re- receivers we've seen come out of there within the last five? So, you know, you think about guys like um, Godwin or um, you know Allen Robinson. Um, you know, the, those types of players. Not a non-Robinson fan. Um, Dotson, I mean, let's see how it works in the NFL. I mean, I see him being a wide receiver one for many years to come. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put him in the same class as Godwin yet. Uh, you know, I think he has a chance of getting there. Well, the I, great thing about it is when you start to compare these players to the rookie class, uh, I, I think it was one of the greatest years of wide receivers that we've seen in a long, long time. And these guys are going to be with us for a lot of years. I hope they stay healthy because we, we're just kind of beginning to see uh, the level of play that they can bring. You know, we, the, Michael Pittman that we talk about being a great receiver, he had 40 catches in his rookie year. He had that learning curve. Uh, Dodson, uh, Ale, uh, uh Balky, who else knows the rookie group up at uh, up at uh, New York, even with the quarterback issues, uh, Garrett Wilson. It, it, yeah. it just there's just good players at rookie wide receivers all through the league. Yeah, I, I mean Drake London is another guy. Too. Oh yeah, there we go. And, and maybe we'll see a breakout with him. Obviously, with no Kyle Pitts this week too. We, mm-hmm. I guess we've already seen a breakout with with Drake London. Yeah. I think you know we haven't mentioned him because he wasn't a first round pick, but Romeo Dobbs is obviously showing out in Green Bay. We'll no see what kidding. happens. With, we'll we'll see what happens with Christian Watson once he gets a little bit more acclimated. It's weird to think you know we're you know as fantasy guys we're we're not all that enamored with Christian Watson right now, but when you look at him yeah. from a football standpoint this is a dude who we knew going into i mean even before the packers took him we knew that this guy was raw he was going to have to have a lot of seasoning because he came from a small school he had the athletic traits obviously but then this guy basically missed most of training camp so the fact that he's doing anything at all right now i think is a feather in his cap he's looking good um there, there's been there Farrell's right i mean there's a lot of rookie receivers here that we're very excited about uh, for fantasy football going forward a couple of emails dan that i want to get to that came in uh, for you this week. Mark in Burbank, California leads it off. Uh, he says, uh, or he asks, I should say, am I nuts to want to start David and Joku at home against the Chargers instead of George Kittle on the yeah. road against Carolina? He says, good luck in week five, Dan. That is Mark in Burbank, California. Um, I, I don't know. It, David and Joku's had some pretty good weeks so far this year. And obviously Kittle's, um, you know, looked like he was pretty healthy last week, but would you be willing to start 
Njoku against the Chargers over Kittle against the Panthers this week? My rankings do have Njoku over Kittle um, in one and a half PPR FFPC format. It's pretty close. Um, I wouldn't have a problem going Kittle, but if it was my team, I'm probably going Njoku. So obviously, not only is Mark and Burbank not crazy, but he, you are in agreement. Like this is the guy that you should be playing um, over George Kittle this week. I like it, um, and and I think that you know sometimes we got to divorce the ADP and divorce what happened in, in the preseason drafting process and look what's going on right now. And what's going on right now is David and Joku is getting a lot of catches for Cleveland. One other email, John in Rochelle Park, New Jersey, is Darnell Mooney quote unquote back, or I guess as quote unquote back as you can get when Justin Fields is only throwing six passes a game. That is John from Michelle Park, New Jersey. Yeah, Mooney had his best game of the season in week four, Dan. Uh, too early to say that, okay, he, he's back, or or is this um, the, the breakout, you know, breakout in quotes game that we were looking for? I mean, he's not back. He, he's a great wide receiver, but, I mean, when a team does throw the ball 20 times a game, I have a hard time starting Mooney with confidence. I'm not going to drop him. I mean, I would just have him sit on the bench for a few weeks, see if you can – I have no clue. I mean – Bears have to change their offensive scheme. I mean, when you pass the ball 16, 20 times a game, I can't imagine more than five, six targets going to Mooney, and that's not enough. Um, Hudson Kern-Reeve chiming in in the chat right now, uh, talking about a, another receiver in Chris Olave. We know that I, – I know – I think it, Michael Thomas is out this week. I think yes, we got the official yes. word on that. And do we get the official word on Jarvis Landry? Is he also out this week? He was questionable. He's not rolled out yet. Okay. All right. So, so Landry could play, but we know he's dinged up. Uh, Hudson's uh, question is, um, are we starting Olave anywhere? I said I'm starting him everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I, I love him. I'm, I'm, every league I have him in, I, I'm finding a way at, at least for a flex at, at a very at the bare minimum. Uh, Dan, are, the... you starting, are you starting him everywhere too? Yes, I am correct. And Farrell, flex, definitely. Farrell, that was the are... professor's question for the kids sleeping in the back row. I know what Hudson's doing there. He wants <laughs> to make sure that everybody's involved and everybody can at least be right about one thing and you, you know and and i would like an update to come across the uh the the chat room here uh i, I would like to know the score of uh, harvard and cornell who was deeply in battle in the ivy league a little earlier so i need a scoring update from the professor but yes yeah, yeah, should be all that. over that i would imagine yeah you know, I, I need some updates on that they've got a good linebacker up there this year well cornell does yeah Oh, I, I had no idea. So is this a normal thing that the Ivy League plays on Friday nights? Yes, sir, because they have to go to school even on Saturday. Yeah, that makes sense. They're the future leaders of our country. Yeah. I have a final score on this. Uh, Harvard yeah. moves their league to uh, their record to 2-0 and in the Ivy League, a 35-28 win over Cornell. Uh, they get uh, they outscore Cornell 15-14 to in the fourth quarter and route to a uh, seven-point victory. Cornell falls the 0-2 in the Ivy League. Farrell, do you know the linebacker's name for Cornell at all? Mm, I don't. He's deep on my charts, but okay. I will uh I will I will come better prepared in the future. I mean I wore my I wore a red Cornell kind of shirt tonight. <laughs> I was in there with you. I was in there with you, Professor. Um yeah. Kern wants to know he he's not familiar with Harvard. He he wants to know no. where it is. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you could talk that kind of smack after Cornell loses. Uh, but uh, but that's the thing. Once you're the king of the hill, you get to say whatever you want. Farrell's the king of the hill of this show, and he's going to not only say whatever he wants here, 
but he's going to live uh, let Dan have the opportunity to say whatever he wants on this final question. Dan baby take us take us there the one guy that we have not spoken of already that people may start I you, you gave us a great history lesson on Schultz and I'm going to reevaluate that. Can you give us another one? A guy that you just will not start which kind of at first glance makes you want to but you won't start and then a guy that most people won't start, but you are all over him. Who are those guys? Well, the player I'm benching this week is uh, DJ Moore against San Fran. Um, he's a round three pick, but I just can't play him with Mayfield. He's killing no. him. And I'll find somebody on, on the wire or somebody on the bench who start over him. Poor quality targets from a uh, talent-deficient quarterback is not a good idea for DJ Moore. Uh, what, what was Where was he being drafted? Was that in the, oh, in the third round? Oh, my word. Good Lord of mercy. Okay, and who who you just – surprise us with the guy that you just got to start that maybe we should too. I mean, a lot of my daily fantasy leagues, um, I'm plugging in Mostert this week against the Jets. There you go. Yes. I could see him being a, an RB2 this week. I can too. Yeah, that and that's that. Listen, Dan, that is the perfect way to close out your interview because Farrell is the president of the Raheem Mostert fan club. Yes, is, if not job, president, man. for sure, the treasurer at a very minimum. Um, I'm at, I'm, yes, I'm just looking at this uh, correct Mundo on DJ Moore. The last uh, data we have from Fantasy Mojo, fantasymojo.com, Darren Armani at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, where we get all our ADP data and all our uh, ownership and start percentage data. Uh, DJ Moore, wide receiver. 13, 13 mm-hmm. uh, at the 308 on average. In fact, the last two days of the FFPC main event season, he even went as a late second round pick. And certainly a lot of buyer's remorse going on with DJ Moore there. But like you can, uh, like you just heard from Dan Fisher, you don't have to have the pain if you don't start him. You don't have to worry about how many points he scores this week. And I'm with you on that. Uh, Dan Fisher, the fifth place team in the Football Guys Players Championship right now, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, thanks so much for popping aboard. We really Thank appreciate you, Dan it. Fisher. Uh, and not only good luck in, in your in your FPC league here that's in fifth place that hopefully we'll have you on at, uh, at the end of the season when you're cashing that $500,000 check or maybe the million-dollar check in the FFPC main event. But good luck in all your leagues. I know you're in a slew. Of, of daily stuff, of best ball tournaments and everything like that. Cannot thank you enough for allowing us to pick your brain tonight. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy the games in week five, dude. Thanks so much, guys. Sorry about the video. No worries. No worries. You're, you're good. Thank you, Dan. Have a great night. Thanks. Thank you, Dan Fisher. Next time he comes on the show, we'll send Jesse up there to get that straightened out. I thought McCord was the guy who is the who is the AV guy in, in Louisville. Is it, is it not McCord, or is it is Jesse going to be the, the guy who can help him out? Yeah, Jesse's the guy. Justin now with three kids. He got out of the AV business after we quit using slides and projections, you know, things like that. Yeah, he's, he's out of it. Yeah, okay. But a good so dude. Solid yes. guy. Absolutely. More than solid. in my and, and great, a sneaky follow on Twitter. I think I've said this on the show before. He always entertains me uh, when he does tweet. He doesn't tweet enough. He should tweet. No. Um, genius, you know. Well, three kids. The, the thing is, like, how much time do you have for tweeting when you're constantly cleaning or feeding or, you know, doing whatever? Um, I, no I only have two kids because I couldn't do three. Um, and I could barely do two, by the way. All right, so get, we'll go rapid fire in some of these emails, Farrell, some start-sit questions. Okay. Uh, Todd in Schaumburg, Illinois. Uh, what's up, guys? Looking for a second flex in my football guys lineup this week. Hayden Hurst under the Sunday night lights at Baltimore or Logan Thomas hosting the Titans. Thank you. That is Todd in Schaumburg, Illinois. Certainly um, not guys I would want to start as my tight end, but I think tight end or uh, beg your pardon, 
flex uh, appeal for both of these guys in tight end premium formats. Who do you like better this week, Hurst or Thomas, Farrell? Mm, this is a deep question here. Uh, I think Hayden Hurst has had incidental success in this offense, and, and, and now they play Baltimore, who is dead last in pass defense, and uh, there's too many players, uh, too many wide receivers on this team that know how to get open. Uh, this quarterback won't have to go through the progressions to get to Hurst, nor will he have to dump it off. I do not like Hayden Hurst in this offense. He's been less productive lately. So we go over to to Washington. I don't particularly like that either, although, you know, you can't help Balky but root for, for Logan Thomas. But there's a rookie, uh, a big tight end body there. Uh, six foot six, 260 pounds, a guy named John Bates from Boise State. He was a fourth-round pick. Um, he, and it, So I think he's going to split some time with Thomas. And you're tempted against this Tennessee team that, that Washington plays. Uh, Colt tight ends caught 11 balls last week against them. So you would be tempted to give Logan Thomas a shot there. But I might look on the waiver wire and try to see if I can quell some sort of uh, – wide receiver to put in that flex spot or re-examine my um, re-examine my own roster to make sure that that I'm not overlooking someone's better opportunity you know if it comes down to these two guys um, I think they're going in opposite directions you know oh, yeah. first started off the season he had 15 targets in his first two games caught 10 of them uh, but since then he's only seen the ball six times and he's only snared four mm-hmm. of those catches but Logan Thomas actually had his best output of the season. Uh, this past week, six uh, targets, he catches five balls on there. So I think, you know, I'm with Farrell on this. Neither one of these guys is great, but it's the best bad option you have is probably going to be Logan Thomas. I'm going to roll with the momentum here and go with Logan Thomas. Uh, hey, Balky and Farrell, Matthew Stafford stunk for me last week. So I'm yeah. thinking about benching him at home against Micah Parsons and that Cowboys defense in favor of Trevor Lawrence getting a tasty oh, wow. matchup against the Titans in Florida. Is that the right play? Corey and St. Paul? It is the right play. I would bench Matthew Stafford in favor of Trevor Lawrence against the Texans this week, for sure. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think something's going on physically with him. And without uh, protection from this Dallas defense, Ubalki, they've gotten better. They've gotten much, much better each week, uh, giving up last points. They're they're a darling defense in Kentucky where we reward you for that. And, And it's great for fantasy football when Cup gets all these targets and Higby gets all these targets, but it's bad for the L.A. Rams. What I love about Trevor Lawrence and what what kept me from moving up in the draft and getting him more often, uh, and I'm going to be starting in a couple places, was that interception, touchdown to interceptions last year, 12 to 17. But I try to forget about last year. You look at that stat this year, I think it's nine touchdowns to two interceptions. He's got better receivers. He's following up against uh, – it's it's Houston this weekend, right, Balky? Yes. It's, it's Houston this weekend. Uh, Herbert put 340 yards uh, on them last week. And, and I look – I look for uh, I look for Lawrence to do the same thing. And, and speaking of Herbert Boggy, we talked long. And I would like to apologize to all the listeners last week. I was uh, I I hadn't eaten. I re-listened to the show. It was like a, a forty-five record that was playing on thirty-three, Balky. I couldn't get the words out, so I'm trying to go a little faster tonight. But Jamare Sawyer, we talked about the offensive lineman and what he had to do, and and how it it, it might not work. Man, did it ever work. They put him in left tackle uh, for the Chargers. 
and Herbert was never touched. And they gave the kid the game ball. It was my favorite story from the NFL uh, for, la for last weekend. And, it, you know, the same thing could be happening on some of these other teams. It's terrible to look at some of these players getting carted off the field, but that gives young players the opportunity to uh, rise up and, and fulfill what a lot of us think that they can do. And Sawyer certainly did it. Look for better things from what's going to happen with the Chargers moving forward, but definitely look for Trevor Lawrence to put up a game this weekend that uh, is very similar to what Herbert did to the Texans last. You know, we, we talked about Russell Wilson at the top of the show. You reminded me of the offensive line. Um, they're yes. already down there right tackle in Billy Turner, and, yeah. and now Garrett Bowles broke his leg out for the season. Yeah. So Denver's yeah. out there. They're starting two tackles right now. Things are not going good. That's another reason to get Russell Wilson on your bench this week. Uh, and he, Oh, no, this is Joe in Wallachford, Connecticut. Does A.J. Dillon enjoy a breakout game this weekend in London against the Giants? I feel like I should be t deploying Brees Hall at home against the Dolphins instead. Any advice is appreciated. Joe in Wallingford, Connecticut. I'll say this about A.J. Dillon. We have not seen, or at least I haven't seen, the A.J. Dillon I expected to see uh, early on in the season. I think he's been okay. I don't think he's been very particularly good uh, in any aspect of the game, but he's not killing you. Um, Brees Hall, on the other hand, this is a guy who really, the last couple of weeks now, we've seen him get more targets, run more routes, uh, catch more passes, get more touches than Michael Carter. I think it's all happening for him in New York right now. And uh, I'm going to trust him uh, over A.J. Dillon. Even though the game script in London should suit A.J. Dillon this week, I'm still going to roll with Brees Hall over A.J. Dillon commission. Well, Balky, you're just out of your mind. You've got to get A.J. Dillon in your lineup. 17 carries last week. He is on pace, Balky. 180-something carries last year. He's on pace to carry the ball 240 times. This year, I don't need those pass catching backs that that Hall will get um, on the checkdowns from Zach Wilson when I've got a running back that's going to carry the ball this many times. And 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 the Packers are going to to get in a situation where they're going to put the, the New York Giants away in, in this game in London. And it's it's ball possession, and you know how they want to win this game. So I'm an AJ Dillon guy here. Brees Hall, yes. But who's coming to town? The Miami Dolphins, which have not a suffocating defense like the 49ers, but a very, very aggressive defense. And the Dolphins are coming in. They're a much better team than the Jets, but they're also rallying around their quarterback. I got to tell you, you know, Lamar Jackson is admired in this city, is one of the greatest players that have ever come through here. Um Brian Brom previously was the most respected local guy that ever played quarterback here. But Teddy Bridgewater is, is the most loved guy that ever played football at the University of Louisville. That carries over to that locker room. Uh, everyone on that Dolphins defense is going to step up and make this game their own against this quarterback who's yet to beat an AFC East opponent. He won't do it this weekend. And, uh, yeah, AJ Dillon's your guy here. I and I should preface this by saying that uh, the the near loss to Bailey Zappi for my Green Bay Packers last week is still fresh in my mind, and perhaps I'm overrating Daniel Jones and what the Giants' offense is going to do in London. But everything Farrell said makes perfect sense to me on paper and in my brain. It's my heart that yes. I have a problem trusting AJ Dillon. Mm -hmm. So. Take that for what it's worth. Let's get to, do we have, yeah, we have one more email. And I think we kind of already answered this with Dan, but I want to get through it anyway. Stan in Ocala, Florida. I have lost almost all faith in DJ Moore 
against mm. the 49ers defense this week. Would you guys start Tyler Boyd versus Baltimore over him? Thank you for the email and for watching Stan in Ocala, Florida. Yeah, I mean, Farrell, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with Stan here. I'm not, I am not a DJ Moore Stan, as the kids say. I am benching him. Um, you know, Tyler Boyd has already had a couple of good games this year, and I think he had one last week. Ravens' uh, defense, especially the secondary, it has not been bueno so far this year, and uh, I would feel much more confident in Boyd making some plays than than DJ Moore against that Niners defense this week. Uh, yes, and it's all about the quarterback here. Now, Tyler Boyd is an interesting player. Uh, not a lot to be excited about last year on an offense that, especially at the end of the year, was really clicking. Right at 70 catches, five touchdowns. That's Jarvis Landry territory. I think the reason he gets drafted, I think there's always or gets drafted as high as he does. He did he never really got out of the double-digit rounds this year, but he, he seems to have big games when called upon against big opponents. Like I checked the last time they played Baltimore, three catches, 85 yards, and touchdown. He always seems to deliver you know, in the playoff games last year, always around the end zone, red zone target, uh, red zone target for a team that doesn't necessarily target the tight end. So I like the situation here um, in this Baltimore game. Cincinnati could score 45 points. Um, Carolina uh, can't imagine 45 points. And, and Carolina's missing some key players on defense too. This game does not bode well for uh, anyone on the Carolina side of the ball. And I'll, I'll include our uh, perennial first round pick uh, uh, McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will say this, um, you know, it's been a, it's the last two games. It's like, it's DJ Moore in a nutshell, right? Um, like yeah. this past week, 11 targets, which you love, which Farrell doesn't love with, with the targets, but yeah, six no catches points for, for those, no points or targets, six catches for 50 yards. So you like that. He got 11 rushing yards as well. So, and, and this is the state of fantasy football that we're in where we're excited for, you know, a 12-point effort from DJ Moore. The previous week, six targets, one catch for two yards against the New Orleans Saints. And I don't think it's particularly great uh, against San Francisco this week. So, if you have to make that choice, DJ Moore versus Tyler Boyd, I think it's Tyler Boyd. And I think we, we've, we've already game. gone over time. Can I register a complaint? Yes, please. The, Obviously, the, the, the roto is got the Chiefs Raiders questions. Yeah. Uh, no. if, if all the listeners want to understand what's going to happen in the most exciting game of the weekend, you should listen to Rotoviz with uh with with all Austin the Martin. Guests. We're, yep. yeah, and you know, I'm going to try to figure out what they said about it. But, uh, <laughs> well, Farrell, speak your piece. Josh Jacobs rushes for 300 yards and we don't even bring it up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he was yeah. awesome. I mean, fantastic. I mean, I loved. Uh, I, I had him in all my lineups last week, and you know what's compelling? So, number one, um, uh, before before we talk Raiders Chiefs here, Hudson Kern Reeve wants to know who wins between his Dallas Cowboys and the Rams this week. Rams are giving away five and a half points at home. I think if it's straight up, I think the Rams get it done. But I, I think it's the, the total's only forty two and a half. This could be a good old fashioned slobber knocker, Farrell. Yeah, put your boots and hats on uh, up there in New York, uh, Hudson, and be proud of your Cowboys. You're going to get a win. There you go, Cowboys over the Rams. Say fair, says Farrell Elliott. Sunday night though, Raiders Chiefs from Arrowhead. This is compelling because the total on this is fifty one and a half, and yeah. your Raiders are seven point dogs. So this, at a minimum, Farrell. This should be loads more entertaining than the Thursday night game we saw uh, between the Colts and the Broncos. 
Yeah, let's don't set them up for failure. But, you know, the, the two positions that I'm looking at, um, a one for each team is the quarterback at, with the Raiders. He needs uh, a type of game that he stays pace on pace with Mahomes. And um, then there is uh, on the Chiefs side, I think he's just about ready to get it. But uh, we're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think we need to fall in the rhythm that will carry him through the rest of the year. Uh, but I see the Chiefs winning this game probably by about 10 points, but it's likely to be that they're going to have to keep answering the bell offensively. That, that total looks a little uh, that total looks a little low to me. Really? But perhaps, perhaps they think that the Raiders will not convert in the red zone. I, I think that will be corrected. And I know that Mooney outscored uh, Mac Hollins last week, but that was an anomaly because Hollins had uh, – his shoe out of bounds when he caught his touchdown pass. Yeah. And Mooney, uh, Mooney was 30 yards from the end zone uh, when he caught all his passes. So uh, I think, uh, I think Hollins is another good start if you're looking uh, for that flex position. So Renfro should be back this week. Are you starting him in your lineups? Uh, if he's back, yes. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And, and listen, we start Farrell Elliott on this show each and every week, because quite frankly, he's always a much better option than Mac Hollins, at least, hosting a fantasy football podcast. Which I don't know. Max pretty entertaining guy. Well, we'll have to get him on the show sometime. Yeah. Right? We'll, we'll have the fans vote on it. Uh, Farrell, yeah. you do a great job commissioning the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com, at KFFSC official on Twitter. Let's do this again, 10-9 Central next week, dude. Appreciate it. Very good. Thank you, my friend. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. I want to thank him. I want to thank Dan Fisher, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for listening, viewing, streaming, downloading, however you're getting this content. We just really appreciate that you're ingesting it. We're back next Friday, as I just said. 10-9 Central will be with the Football Guys Players Championship second place team owner, Steve Tansomi. Uh, Tansoni, I beg your pardon, will uh, join us on the program next week. Very excited for that. Reminder, if you missed the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown yesterday with Austin Martin, you can get that rotoviz.com slash podcast or on the FFPC YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash FFPC Fantasy. The next high stakes lowdown, we're going to try to get into the same uh, uh, routine every week. Uh, we want to go 10-9 Central on Tuesday uh, every night. So, so think about it this way. You have your Sunday football, your Monday night football. Tuesday, you get your high stakes lowdown. Wednesday, you get your Better Sports Network uh, fantasy football, uh, high stakes fantasy football show on the Better Sports Network. You'll get that at 10-9 Central on Wednesdays, football on Thursdays, and then of course your high stakes fantasy football hour on Fridays. And then college football on Saturdays. It is football every day of the week. And on 10, uh, on Tuesday at 10, nine central, we'll have four time FFPC main event league champ, Christian Barney Newkirk will hop aboard with me. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. The high stakes fantasy football show on the better sports network goes live Wednesday, 10, nine central on the BSN app, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, with yours truly. And then this week we're going to have Howard Bender on from the fantasy alarm. He will co-host with me, uh, from 10 to 12, on BSN on Wednesday night, the FFPC Weekly Challenge uh, available 
No draft, no salary cap. Choose 10 if you're playing the slim, 12 if you're playing the classic format, and uh, only one player per team, $35 entry, $200 entry. And don't forget, uh, you can get a 2023 FFPC main event entry if you want to join the 10-team winner-take-all contest. So you get a 1 in 10 shot at a minimum of winning your way to competing for a million bucks for free next year. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. If you are watching this on YouTube, I always like to remind you, to like the video, subscribe to the channel, uh, comment on the videos. We always appreciate that. And of course, share the uh, the link to it and get notified. So you make sure that all these great content that we have going on, the FFPC YouTube channel, you don't miss a single second of it. Uh, that is going to do it for our show this week. I will see you on this channel, 10, 9 central on Tuesday with Barney Newkirk. And uh, we'll be back. This show will be live again, 10, 9 central on Friday with T uh, Steve Tansoni, the second place team in the Football Guys Players Championship. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. One other thing I should mention, ladies and gentlemen, um, probably should have brought this up earlier, but get those lineups in early on Sunday morning. You have a 9.30 a.m. Eastern time kickoff between the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers, so make sure your lineups are set squared away before then. And if you happen to host a Northeast Wisconsin terrestrial radio show that is doing a live remote and celebration, for the Packers game, uh, you probably want to set those on Saturday night rather than having to worry about it Sunday morning. Just good advice. Set them on Saturday night. You can tweak them on Sunday morning, but at least in case that alarm doesn't go off, your lineups are already in. Your friendly PSA from your friendly neighborhood bulk man. Thanks, everybody. Talk with you again on Tuesday, or if you're just watching the HSFF Hour, next Friday at 10, 9 Central. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.